so I'm carrying on, uh, carrying on the series about really Jesus and Jesus' heart, and we want to really get to know Jesus a lot more. And today I'm looking at his heart in action. Shouldn't be messed there. So you know, um, Toza, the theologian, famously said, "What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you." What? I'm going to repeat that. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And you know what? When I was around four or five years old, um, I can't remember what I did, but I did something wrong. And my mom found me hiding under a thick oak dining table. So she, she, she came and she said, well, what are you doing here? So I said, mm, I'm hiding because I know God can't see me under this table. <laughs> All right? And you see, I grew up believing in an awesome and powerful God, one who sent Jesus to rescue the sinners from the wrath of God. But it was mostly a gospel of fear. There was a little bit like, you know, Jesus is mostly your ticket out of hell. Yeah? Um, so I mostly thought I needed to be forgiven to be uh, acceptable and presentable. And it, it took me years, years to experience and know that God loves me. And it is because he wants a relationship with me that he sent Jesus to rescue me. Can you see? So it was not just I need to be saved you know, from hell. I need to have a relationship with God. That's why he came, to have a relationship with us. So it is true that God hates sins. It is true Jesus is the Lamb of God sacrificed for us and he took the wrath that we deserved. But we are going to see today that when we look at Jesus' heart in action, mostly the essence of his heart is to love the sinners. Look, in John verse 16 and 17 we know this verse very well it says God so loved the world that he sent his only son not to condemn the world but to save the world from him so actually the role of Jesus is not to come and judge you the role of Jesus is to come and rescue you yes there will be a judgment one day we will all stand and give an account but right now it's, it's his job is to come and love us and rescue us from where we are at. So first, Jesus' heart in action, his essence primarily, is actually a heart of mercy. And we see his affections towards the sinners and the sufferer. Okay, does it mean that Jesus himself is lenient towards sins and he says, well, you're okay, that's okay, you messed up, I don't get No, that's not true. Jesus still hates sins, okay? But his wrath against sins is not in conflict with his mercy and his love. So basically, the wrath of God and the love of God are not at odds with each other. It's not that God and Jesus are playing a seesaw game. You know a seesaw? Up or down. So it's not like he's saying, yeah, I love you, oh, I hate you. Love, oh no, I hate that. You know, it's not a seesaw game. He hates evil all the time. But towards us, it's all the time love. It's all the time love. 
And when he sees us entangled in sins and bad habits, in addiction, or not able to live in the goodness of what God intended for our lives, what pours out of his heart naturally and effortlessly is love and mercy. He doesn't go, oh, you miserable child, you still are getting it wrong. After all this time, you're still living in your yucky ways? He's not thinking like that. He's thinking, I cannot stand that you, my beloved, are still <coughs> suffering. I cannot stand that you are still entangling those things. I want your freedom. Can you see that? So watching Jesus in action is watching grace at work. You know, Romans 5 verse 20, 20 says, when sin abandoned, grace abandoned much more. So you see, it's not a seesaw game. It means the more awful is a situation, the more deprived a person can be, the more odious the suffering, the more outraged against sin God is. But at the same time, the more Jesus comes and top it up and love and come to heal, come to forgive, come to restore. It is his heart. It is what he does. Can you see? We're seen abandoned. His grace abandoned much more. Okay? It is impossible. It's impossible to exaggerate or to over-celebrate the affectionate heart of Christ. I'm thrilled this morning we sang the, the, the songs that we sang. It was all about the love of God and the love of Jesus. It's impossible to exaggerate his love for us. Impossible. And do you know what? This is the most fundamental thing that we need to believe and experience for ourselves. Because if you do not believe God loves you and is affectionate towards you, you will not run toward the, towards the front of grace in times of need. You will run away from him. You see, when we mess up, when we mess up, if we don't have that right perspective on God, we do what I've just done when I was five, hiding under the table. Because we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm terrible at doing this. Instead of running towards God and say, wow, your grace needs to abound right now because I need you. Instead of doing that, we go, I'm not worth it. I'm out of the camera now. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. So I'm running a miles away. I say, oh, cannot go to church because if my brothers and sisters could see me, really. It's all of these things that come in our mind. You see, what you think about God is the most thing, the important thing about you. Amen. But actually, if you know the affectionate heart for, of Jesus for you, and you're in a mess, you'll run towards him because you know he's the only one who can rescue you and love you where you are at. You, when you find yourself in pain, and when you find yourself in suffering, maybe you're disappointed by something, it's not worked out the way you want it to be. Again, if you do not believe that God is good and he loves you, what will, what will happen is you will be finding yourself overwhelmed with unbelief and angry anger. That's what will happen. Because we say, that's not fair. Why is this happening to me? Because you don't believe he loves you still and is there for you. Or if you, if you are in pain and, you, and he's not, you haven't 
got your breakthrough yet and you don't have again that right perspective on God and you don't know his affectionate heart, you will go, can I really believe in this God? Can you see? So it is impossible, it is impossible for the affectionate heart of Christ to be exaggerated and over-celebrated. And I would suggest, if you have children, that's the, the thing we need to actually teach our children. Sometimes we focus on good behavior. Oh, I need to teach them the Christian way. But actually, wouldn't it be amazing if they just knew that Jesus loves them? That whatever the, they, they will come through in life, they can run to him. Whatever pain they will encounter, they can go to him. Because they won't be judged, they would be led into freedom. It's the most important thing we can do. It's ex really celebrate, celebrate his love and his affection. Now, this is the true gospel. Jesus, all the blameless and holy, without sins, hating sins because of the separation it brings between us and a good father, and because of the destruction sins introduces in our lives. This Jesus, this Jesus does not turn his nose up to the immoral and the unclean. He runs towards sins and suffering and says, here, I am the sacrifice that will make you clean and free. This is the amazing reality of the gospel. You know, in the Jewish laws of the Old Testament, if you touched a leopard or if you touch someone considered unclean, you would have become unclean yourself and you would have needed a sacrifice to become acceptable. Yeah? But Jesus, the perfect one, the blameless one, when he touches the unclean, when he touches the immoral, they become clean. And they become clean once for all. How about that? The amazing, undeserving grace of God. And we see Jesus demonstra demonstrating that in the New Testament all the time. So he touches a, leopard, a, a leper and then he heals him straight away. He dines with the drunk. He dines with the prostitutes. And the tax collectors were really considered as thieves, really. And so much more that they started to mock him and say, look at him, the friends of sinners. He's not afraid to be contaminated by sins because he knows he's the one who is full of love and is coming to rescue them. So much that actually in Mark 2, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. So I have, I have not come for the righteous. I have come for the sinners. He's not afraid of sin. He runs towards sins. This fallen world is full of sickness, disease, pain, and death. But those are interruptions to God's original plan and design. So Jesus comes to wage war against death and sin by loving us to our full restoration. His battle plan is love. That's his battle plan. He has become the sacrifice so that we would be restored to fullness. So ultimately, Jesus demonstrated his heart by the way he lived. And in the New Testament, Islam proves his heart. So let me just take a couple of examples. 
so I put there, his actions speaks of his heart. Okay, what would be the point to say, I love you, but I never demonstrated this with an act of kindness or an act of love? It would be no point, isn't it? So action after actions, Jesus demonstrated that he was full of compassion and mercy. He cannot act any other way than to be full of compassion and mercy. So when the leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. That's in Matthew 8. You've got all the verses here. It was his deepest desire to heal him. It was his desire to heal him. Same when he sees the faith of the man who brought him the paralytic, you know, through the roof. You remember that story? You can read it in Matthew 9, verse 2. Jesus answers the need before they even ask. He could not wait to help this man. Many, many times we could take many verses, many circumstances. It says Jesus saw the crowd and he was moved to compassion. And he had compassion on them. And do you know what he does? He healed their sick. And in some occasions, well, he fed them. They are no more natural um, needs. Apparently, the Greek word for compassion refers to a feeling that comes from the guts. So the guts of Jesus is compassion. It's compassion towards people. In Matthew 9, verse 36, he was moved by a mother's tears and resurrected her son. In Luke 7, verse 13, Jesus was moved to tears himself when he heard of his friend Lazarus' death. He is moved to tears. I've got a couple of quotes which I think is really, really quite great to summarize the, the heart of Jesus. Oh, would you mind, um, Joey, would you mind reclicking on my last slide if you can manage? If you can't, don't worry. So Richard Stibbs, uh, the Puritan, says, Whatsoever Christ did, he did out of love, of grace, and mercy. He did it inwardly from his very bowels, his very guts. So what we see that pours naturally out of Jesus' heart is love and compassion. Thomas Goodwin says in another way, Christ is love covered in flesh. It's interesting picture, isn't it? He is love covered in flesh. It is his essence to love us, to be moved to compassion. You see, Jesus is not simply the one who loves. He is love. In the last quote from Dan Orton, I absolutely love, merciful affection stream from his heart as rays from the sun. Merciful affection stream from his heart as a rays from the sun. You see, Jesus is attracted to the fallen. Jesus is attracted to the sinners. He is attracted to the sufferers because he cannot wait to shine his affection to do the very thing he is, which is love. So his love in action is redemptive. It put us back in relationship with God, into God's original design to be in a relationship with an extremely good and loving Father. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Amen. Isn't it amazing? Amen. 
So my conclusion here today is, you know, he's the same today. His heart has not changed. Today, if you do not know Jesus, we've sung it, give him the permission to come into your life and let him love you where you are. That's all you've got to do. Let him love you where you are. Whatever your situation or the state you're in, whatever the pain, whatever the pain, or even the issues in your life, if you think the issues are too big to come to Jesus, you're wrong. Guess what? His love and His grace are bigger and better and stronger. So let Him love you where you are. And if you are a Christian today, I've got extremely good news. Not only we know Jesus, but the same Christ lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. So the Bible says you are united with Christ. That means his embrace could not be tighter or his embrace could not be closer than it is today. He dwells in you with his Holy Spirit. So let his love, his mercy and grace do the work in you. Don't try to do it by yourself. Let him do it. Surrender to his love. Okay? It's funny, Jesus said, uh, uh, Jesus, that's a good one, Jamie, <laughs> said, well, you, I mean, for me, so was it seven? I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. You know, it's not true. Jamie said last week, what should be our response when we're going to do this amazing preaching series? He said, no, our response is nothing. We should do nothing. We should be coming to Jesus. That was the verse of last week. We come and unburden onto Jesus. That's what we have to do. And that is true. And the response of today's preach is exactly the same. All we've got to do is come to him and let him love us. Let his affection shine on us like rays from the sun. We all have areas on our lives, our needs changing. Do we? All, all of us, we have areas in our lives that needs changing. Yes. It could be that some of us are dealing with um, suffering and illnesses and we need Jesus the healer. It could be that we're struggling with something that has been passed on to, you, to us by our parents and we react in certain ways, in certain circumstances. We can't do away with, I don't know, issues like anger or things like that. And we need Jesus to come and change our heart. It could be any kind of thing. It could be that when we are in pain, we turn a little bit too quickly to numbing. And we do certain things that are not glorifying God. You know, sin is sin. He doesn't care. Mm. You know, when sin abandoned, his grace abandoned, mm. much more. We're not going to do a chart and compare who sins the most or sins the less. Jesus doesn't care. He's attracted to the, to the sinners and the sufferer. Because guess what? He came for then he came for the one who suffered, he came for the one who have seen, he came for the one who needed him. So let him love you. Let him love you and be the rescuer, the one who can really change your life. Let's let's bow our, our, our head and just gonna pray. Jesus, and I'm just saying that I am personally blown away by your love. That you came because you Love us. You take. You dealt with all the rough, the rough, the, the the punishment we deserved. You dealt with that. 
Lord. And we say, Jesus, see all the things that are still around and sometimes we have areas in our life we're not even free yet. We say, Jesus, come with your affection. Come with your affection and embrace us. Impress us. Come closer, come tighter, dwell in our heart. We surrender to you, Jesus. We say we need you. We can't make it happen. We can't do it. But you can. So we say, Jesus, we love you. We love you. Let's just stay there a moment. Just 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 talk to Jesus. Yourself. You know the, you know the thing you want to see changing. You know what you need to believe or believe that it changes. Just talk to Jesus for a couple of minutes. Talk to him.